Hey everyone, welcome to Zon in Canada. Uh, joining me again this time around is Randy. He is a longtime friend of the show and uh, one of the organizers behind ICON, which is the anime convention in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Randy, thanks for joining me again. Oh, thanks for having me. So last year, Randy was actually on our holiday episode uh, in 2016, and we did a segment where we talked about all the uh, theatrical releases for anime movies that we had uh, in Canada over that year. And uh, we basically had, I think, pretty much an episode's worth of content in that segment alone. Uh, it kind of it kind of went on and on. And I figured that this year what we do is we could do the same thing and actually just have a whole episode focused on it. Uh, and Randy has uh, played a role in getting theatrical releases rolling in uh, in his neck of the woods in the past as well and i know you've uh you've 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 been fairly involved in that and you you do tend to catch most of the theatrical releases that happen so uh you, you tend to have quite a bit to say on the subject i do yes yeah definitely yeah i know that in in 2016 you uh it was um miss hokusai specifically you reached out uh with uh, yes with with uh, was it 11 arts and uh you kind of got you got you got a screen uh, rolling it, it, it was g kids g kids okay. directly yeah. yeah, that was that was great. Because uh, I know I know Winnipeg, Manitoba, it's sort of not always a priority uh, for these for these theatrical releases. Or the way I see it, at least, you have, you know, the the tier one priority area is always Ontario, and then lower down on the scale, like a tier tier two, you have Quebec and BC and Alberta, and then Win Winnipeg or Manitoba in general seems to be kind of a tier three. Um, it can be kind of hit or miss, but it, it's been a little more consistent in, in that neck of the woods from what I've, I've gathered lately. Yeah, it really has. Uh, there's been, uh, we, we had a lot of effort to get like Azalend and Eleven Arts to notice us more. And so far it seems to be pretty successful. They seem to be, uh, marketing to us a bit more, which is good. I, uh, I was actually looking at the theater news and there's, there's only like a few that were countrywide that didn't hit. Winnipeg. The only mm -hmm. one I really saw was Blade of the Immortal. Didn't hit us. Oh yeah, but yeah. Besides that, everything else that was Canada wide pretty much hit us this year, which was really good. Yeah, I, Blade of the Immortal live action. We did get that here in Vancouver. I actually missed out on that one. Uh, but the the coverage seems to be improving for a lot of movies quite a bit. Uh, I have I do have issues with a few uh, releases which I think were kind of botched to an extent, and we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll go we'll try to go through this more or less. Uh, um, in order of what uh, what we saw released this year, um, what was? Do you recall what the first movie was? I think did did you see the Red Turtle at all? Is that uh, I did not see the Red Turtle. The Red Turtle was also one that I don't think made it to yeah. us, or if it did, it was out of time when I couldn't go. Yeah, uh, I don't. Th I don't think it made it to us. Uh, the first one that came to us, I'm pretty sure, was One Piece. Was the first one that we got. I'm pretty sure. I rec I recall yeah. when One Piece came out. I I can't remember if that. That may have been late 2016. It may um, have been late 2016. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the One Piece movie. Uh, I I wanted to catch that one in theaters, but unfortunately, I uh, I wasn't able to make that work out. Um, how was how was catching One Piece in in theaters? I'm kind of curious, not only about the movie itself, but what the the audience reaction or turnout would have been for that. Uh, One Piece was real good. Uh, there was a lot of uh, there. There's a lot of people there for sure. Uh, One Piece definitely has grown a lot uh since it since the days of the four kids airing mm -hmm. uh and like i think that that's a benefit of having it's just been on for so long that the Amer the north american fan base has gradually grown to a size where it supports theatrical screenings a little bit more uh it was definitely one of the ones that were uh had a bigger crowd than the other ones but that that was so one piece definitely was one of the ones that 
I noticed a big crowd for it, which was really neat. Uh, we also got, like, Black Butler and, and Fairy Tale from Funimation this year as well. And I would imagine if they can justify a natu- uh, national theatrical releases for those ones, then, then surely One Piece, uh, despite being um, kind of the uh, the redheaded stepchild as far as major shonen shows in, in North America goes, surely that could, that could sustain one as well. Although I'm sure that its performance wasn't on the level of, like, a Bleach or Naruto screening, unfortunately. Probably not. Uh, my theater, I'd say, was probably about 60-75% packed, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was pretty good. Uh, and and, and I, I didn't see Fairy Tale or Black Butler, so I wouldn't even be able to comment on those, just because those ones don't interest me at all. Uh, I, I had thought, I had said to myself, I will see every anime showing, nothing will, nothing will deter me, and then those two came out and I was like, oh, I guess I'm not seeing those ones. <laughs> I uh, I know a few people who definitely saw Black Butler, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure Fairy Tale did, did fine, but I I, uh, I skipped those ones myself. Yeah, how was the how was the movie itself? I know the that movie the, itself I, uh, was really fun. It was uh, it was kind of like a heist movie uh, with the One Piece characters, which uh, I love heist movies, so a heist movie with One Piece is even better. Uh, it was fun. It, it it has the problem that a lot of the uh, Newer One Piece movies have the ones that were uh, written by Oda, the mangaka, mm-hmm. uh, in that they're a little, little overlong. Uh, but besides that, I think like the action was great, the animation was fantastic, everything, everything really worked well, and it was a really fun movie. So, so it kind of has the opposite problem the earlier like One Piece or, or Toei movies have, where they're just kind of forty-five minute uh, frivolities that. Um, that that aren't really notable, but now they're now they're like have have the same problem that like real movies do, where they're yeah. a little longer than they need to be, and maybe overwritten some at, at at times. Yeah, and actually, the uh, the second One Piece movie was one of the first One Piece things I ever saw mm-hmm. uh, way back when at uh, at a two thousand three convention, and that was uh, that one really gripped me because that one was a really like really tight short action movie that was really good, uh, and I've seen most of the One Piece movies. I think. Uh, the best one is obviously the Mamoru Hosoda one. That yeah, we haven't got here yet. What is tying? Uh, what is tying that up? Like, I, I'm sure, knows? I'm sure Funimation is trying to get that one out. There must be something because, yeah. especially with like the Hosoda collection they're putting out now and everything, there should be a re- we we should be getting that movie especially because that that that's one of the big ones that is pretty much the peak One Piece movie. I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe 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 Mongrel Media will get it. Uh, <laughs> Um, I guess another major movie from early in the year was the uh, Viz's release of the Sailor Moon R movie, which uh, we were really paranoid that we wouldn't get, but we uh, they did come through with us. They they did come through for us in the end on that one. Oh, I was petrified we weren't going to get that. Yeah, because I think didn't it air in November in the states? Yeah, it was. Like it was. That? Yeah, it was late 2016 in the states, and uh, the the pressure was on like very visibly in social media, for, uh, at least social media, at least for them to. To, to to pull through and get uh to get that movie out here in um uh in 2017 and they did unfortunately mm-hmm. I I wasn't able to catch that one either uh but uh I mean I I'm sure Sailor Moon was a good time in in the movie theater I know that is a pretty fun movie to, overall oh it was uh yeah. just Sailor Moon are the movie uh one of the best it has one of the best scenes it has one of the best songs it has uh the song Moon Revenge mm-hmm. which is one of the most iconic Sailor Moon songs. And so seeing uh, that scene on a big screen was was really just phenomenal, uh, and that was a that was probably the most packed I saw any theater uh, anime screening this year. Definitely, 
um, which again speaks to Sailor Moon's staying power here in Canada. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, the only the only not great thing was that they had um, they had cast interviews before uh, they actually played the movie, and the cast in, the cast kind of talked about what was going to happen in the movie. Oh yeah, and yeah. I and I could tell there were there were a lot of people who hadn't seen the movie, and they were like looking around at each other, like what is why are they telling us this? Uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of kids in the in this in Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there were a few um, dressed up. Uh, one one parent brought their brought their uh, their like three or four year old, and she was like dancing along to the transformation sequences. This is totally uh, <laughs> something that that people who were fans of the show when it aired on TV would be bringing like very young kids to. Oh, hundred like, percent doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah, uh, and unfortunately for the the people like. Uh, they were on the, the, the little girl was on the landing between, um, the divide of seats. Oh no. And so she was like walking, she was like kind of dancing around the whole time. And the poor people who were sitting like in the row in front of her, I could tell they were getting a little upset probably because she was being a little loud. But for me who was sitting back, I just thought it was the cutest thing. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad I, I'm glad I was sitting where I was sitting for that one. Uh, otherwise it might not have been as good a time, but it was still really neat to see uh, like kids and parents bringing their kids, it was really, really fun. I really liked that one. That was probably my favorite screening of the year. Yeah, it's it's such a short movie too. But mm-hmm. I mean, just having the overall theatrical experience improved by little things like that is is really what would make something like that worth it. Mm-hmm. I did, I did, I didn't catch the the Cineplex release. I did see the movie. Uh, they screened it at Anime Revolution in their one of their two screening rooms that they had, which is. That's another issue. I, 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 you, you, you can hear me get into that in depth yeah. in, the, in the Anime Revolution episode. But I did catch Slater Moon R, and I, uh, I actually never caught that when it aired on YTV. So I think that may have been the case for a lot of people. But uh, yeah, it's a really mm-hmm. fun. It's a really fun movie. Uh, with a, I can see a, a large crowd really, really getting into that in a fun way for sure. Yeah, uh, and when uh, we missed a movie actually, uh, because I was looking through my Twitter at the movies I saw, uh, we actually missed uh, Girls in Panzer. Oh yeah, uh, I I, I, which... for, I forgot to write note that one down. Yeah, that was uh, uh, one of the Sentai movies that uh, that did get a pretty surprisingly big push when it came out here. I think it was February or March or twenty sixteen. Uh, January twenty sixth, which is when it would have came out. Uh, and that was that was really fun. I had um, always wanted to been watch watch Girls in Panzer, uh, so I had I ca- I watched the show uh, in like the week lead up to the movie. And I, I was actually really impressed with how fun that show was and how much of a sports show it actually was and how, like, it didn't really focus on the cute girls doing cute things, even though that was a part of it. Uh, but the tank warfare was really what that show was about. And the movie itself ramps that up to, to like, 11, uh, to use, you know, the colloquialism. Uh, the entire last half hour of that movie or like last hour of that movie even is one single long tank battle and they do a really good job of stressing uh the importance of it uh leading up to it so when they actually get to it it becomes a really uh meaningful tank battle and just like how the tactics used and how the battle ends up being won is just fascinating and it's not what i would expect it from that show at all i would expect a movie to like deal into like the fan service of like the girls are being cute together blah 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 blah. but having like this really intricate involved tank battle uh was not what i expected and it was absolutely phenomenal it was real good 
the enjoyment seems to be in just how it strikes the balance between those two things without sort of going too far in either direction. Mm-hmm. Did you catch uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie? I think that was out in uh, early 2017 as well. Uh, I was not able to catch the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie. Mm-hmm. That was... Uh... It ended up being at a bad time for me, or oh, it yeah. been during when I had a when I had um, a university class that I couldn't really skip out on. Uh, so that was one that I ended up not being able to catch, even though I wanted to. And I I guess uh, was Sword Art Online uh, Ordinal Scale was that uh, I don't know if yeah, Sword Art Online is what any something that you're into at all. Sword Art was one that I almost caught, mm-hmm. um, but it was uh, one of the weird things that Cineplex has been doing is like putting a movie on like a Sunday at like 1230 p 12:30 p.m which means that like it's really hard to catch it if you're if you have anything else to do that day and mm-hmm. I, I think that was the case for for sword art uh, I could go but I couldn't get anyone else around me to go uh, so I so I didn't even bother I and, I and I tried I tried uh, watching some sword art to get back into the groove um, but it just never happened. Yeah, Sunday Sunday is actually a pretty like a Sunday afternoon. That's a pretty good time to uh to carve out um a reservation at a theater for for an event mm-hmm. like this. I remember a few years ago these screenings would always be on like a Thursday morning or something like that. But they for a lot of these they seem to be specifically getting uh evening or weekend time slots now. Um not always, of course, we're still getting like you know, the kind of Thursday at noon kind of thing. I think that's mm-hmm. what I think. I, I think that's what happened with the third uh, Kizu Monogatari movie when it came out. Uh, really, really strange time slot. But uh, they they seem to be carving out good times for a lot of these. And I know Sword Art Online uh, that movie got a huge opening in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. Something like three hundred screens across the country, and I think we got thirty, which is you know a proportional release for sure. Um, I, I think that the U.S. broadcast of the show influenced that a lot and of course there's no uh there was no equivalent of that in canada so i'm not sure if they um took that into account but it, it seemed to have done really well i think it got a lot of it got a lot of fanfare for sure i think so uh yeah it sort of was has never really interested me past the first half of the first season uh so there was nothing really there for me to uh latch on to um, it, 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 I would have seen it if I would have had the free time, but I just didn't at that time, so that's why. I've, I have watched one episode of Sword Art Online, just like the first episode, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it at all, so I never really picked it up beyond that. Uh, so, I guess I may, maybe I need to watch more to at least see this, uh, this one, this brief portion at the beginning when, when people say it was good. I should probably, uh, give that a shot at least. Maybe. At, at, at this point, I would say you don't really have to. I'm sure you've absorbed most of it through cultural osmosis. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, I, I, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, around the same time was also when we finally, when we got the uh, the first of the Love Live, uh, I guess what they call the live delay concerts. Um, I think that first we got your name, actually, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's get into your name, because that's uh, yeah. finally something that I actually did catch in theaters. So Funimation, uh, it was a great accomplishment for Funimation because uh, this was their first, I think, successful attempt to get a proper wide release for a movie in theaters across North America. Um, it was. Yeah, it's because uh, even even with Dragon Ball Z, they weren't proper wide releases. Mm. They were uh, scheduled on specific days, um, and they were lucky that a few specific theaters in like Los Angeles and other key cities would continue to play them beyond that. Um, but this is the first time when they, they pulled all the stops and 
they actually got a proper limited wide release uh, that all, they all opened on a specific day and they remained in theaters as long as they made money, both subtitled and dubbed. Um, and it, it, it it's kind of frustrating because it took them so long to get there. And now they've just been bought out by Sony, which has sort of <laughs> rendered that entire effort null and void, uh, mm-hmm. because now Sony can just handle theatrical releases for them. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's kind of it's a little disappointing that they 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 worked so hard to get there, and now it's just sort of irrelevant. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And you know, it also is a little frustrating that uh, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm glad that Funimation pulled off a wide release for this uh, because it was a very high profile film release and it did and it seemed to do very well um it was the screenings were selling out all over the place in metro vancouver at least but they 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 definitely did drop the ball by taking so long to get it out and the reason is a little frustrating was because even the subtitled version was delayed so Mm -hmm. that uh because radwimps wanted to uh dub the songs the songs in the movie uh, in Mm -hmm. english and uh funny was of course fully willing to uh to 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 comply with that, to, with that wish, and get it get it all produced, but the whole movie was delayed as a result. Yeah, that's really unfortunate, especially um, for the Oscar push last year. It would have really benefited from having an actual release in that last year because um, one of the important things that happened when your name came out here is that I heard uh, the film podcast I listened to talk about your name. I heard your name absolutely everywhere which was almost which i've never heard before apart from like usually like it's like the one guy on the film podcast who watches anime talks about uh the new anime movie saw for like about five minutes but this is like entire episodes were done on it and to have like this really big push to like have this uh reviewed and like see it everywhere really is kind of diminished by the fact that it could have had an Oscar nomination the previous year, and it can't have an Oscar nomination this year. Uh, which really, I think people are going to be like talking about why isn't your name on the best animated Oscar list? And people are going to be like saying, "Oh, it came out last year, technically, even though everyone else saw it this year." Uh, and I think that's I think that's a big mistake. Um, I think that maybe Funimation should have even like waited to put it out in the states until everything was clear for them to have like a full push, because I think. I think it would have had a chance to at least been nominated this year pretty heavily just from for the uh attention that mainstream film press gave it this year. For what I understand this wasn't really Funimation's fault. Uh I I've heard apparently the Japanese distributor wanted it to have its uh qualifying run in 2016, but they apparently they wouldn't give out screeners or something. So it had a qualifying run that nobody could really or that none of the people who needed to see it could really access. Um, yeah, and that, that that's really unfortunate. Yeah, in general. Yeah, that that really that really sucks because we still haven't we still haven't gotten um an Oscar nomination for a non Studio Ghibli film. Is that is that correct or has uh has that changed? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, I think yeah. um Red Turtle is probably going to get one this year, or was it Red Turtle last year? I, I can't remember, but I think Red Turtle has a good mm-hmm. chance of getting on there, and and then that's. I mean that's kind of Ghibli technically, yeah, in, yeah, in, in, in its own weird way. Uh, besides that, I no, I don't think anything really noteworthy has happened. I'm sure G Kids will pull it off eventually, but eventually, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if if Funimation's equipped to uh to <laughs> to even uh get that done, even if they even if the uh qualifying run hadn't been been botched somehow. But oh well, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what's done is done, I suppose. Uh, wh- what did you think of the movie itself? Do you think it, it lives up to the hype? I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. I saw it. I saw it three times in the theater. I saw it twice subtitled with different groups of friends, and then I had um, a week off, and I, I saw the dubbed version finally because it was it, the, like what happened in my city is that um, the the dubbed version quickly uh, stopped playing, but the subbed version ran. Uh, pretty much every night for about mm-hmm. three or four weeks and the dub version ended up being like uh, a few days a week at like noon maybe like one showing a week at noon during the week uh, so it ended up be- becoming a bit of an ordeal for me to go see it I ended up being able to see it uh, four weeks in I finally saw the dub version uh, and the main reason I wanted to go to the dub version is I wanted to see how the dub songs worked in the movie and the dub songs work really well in the movie. And like, if I could pick my own preferred version, I would pick the Japanese uh, dialogue and the English songs. Oh, really? Because the English songs, like the meaning and intent, is still there. And I just think because they didn't subtitle the songs, uh, a lot of their impact is is lessened. And hearing the English songs, especially the one at the very end, that's the first time I, I really teared up was when the actual I could actually like understand the lyrics as the movie was ending and I thought that really worked up worked really well uh but overall I thought the movie was just gorgeous and really well told really really well paced the you're never really bored during it and I I found it really interesting and really great the whole way through yeah, I, I still haven't watched the dub myself. I do have the Blu-ray, so I'll probably check that out soon. And it was, uh, something similar happened with the screenings at, in Metro Vancouver. So I'm assuming this was kind of a countrywide thing. Uh, a lot of the, there were, there were a lot of dub screenings initially scheduled, but the later, they, they added a lot of last minute, uh, subtitled screenings and they eventually became dominant and overshadowed the dub screenings, um, completely uh, the dub was uh was just kind of faded out pretty quickly and it wasn't definitely wasn't as popular uh so that was a, i think there was a little bit of a miscalculation in terms of uh what more people were going to see i i really i really like the movie i have not actually seen very many makoto shinkai films i have seen um voice of a distant star which i did really like uh and you know i've absorbed a lot of what his films are like and i didn't really find any of that in your name or at least the the kind of complaints that people have about his movies it never takes a lot of time to become self-indulgent uh on on shinkai's part um in the way that i uh that a lot of his films seem to be uh the characters were were really fun the there, there's obviously a twist in the movie which i guess there's probably some people who haven't seen it yet so we won't i won't get into that uh because i think it really increases the impact the film has and mm-hmm. which was a big reason of why it was so popular in Japan because it really resonated with people because of that twist that happened uh, part way through. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a really lovely fun movie that I think appeals to. Uh, I mean, it's like an anime too. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's very much like a show that you would find on uh, late night Japanese TV, but it's just executed in a way that I think is extremely accessible for mainstream audiences in Asian countries and even in in Canada as well. And I think. Um, I think there's a lot of potential to see uh, this film get, you know, um, re-screenings in, in theaters uh, the same way that you see Ghibli films get get exposure as well. Um, and I think we're already seeing that. I think uh, the, the Van City Theater that plays, that uh, that does majority of the uh, VIF screenings is uh, apparently giving it another run later in January. So 
I'm expecting to see more of that more of that kind of thing pop up in the future. In regards to the dub screenings, uh, I know that the screening, I, I only saw it once subtitled, and most of the people in the audience were, like, teenagers or young adults in their 20s. Um, I am told that apparently the, the, the few dub screenings that there were were, were popular with families and, and children. Uh, I, I, and I'm just curious, when you saw it in theaters, um, what tra- do, you, do you recall what trailers played before it? Oh geez, no, I couldn't even remember. I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there were trailers. I just think they were pretty, um, pretty generic, just regular, uh, overall family friendly type trailers, family teen friendly trailers. I think that's, I think that's what played. Yeah, because because in BC, the film got a G rating uh, in BC from uh, Consumer Protection BC. Um, but apparently, some of the dub screenings had. Uh, the types of trailers that you would expect in front of, uh, like most indie releases from Mongrel Media or or, or whatnot, uh, and apparently, mm. I I can't I I know at least one screening they showed the trailer for Ingrid Goes West, uh, the one where Aubrey Plaza oh. says "cunt" right in the trailer. <laughs> Jeez. Um. Uh. Yeah. And that was uh, and I'm trying to figure out like how something like that happened because uh, it is a. It is a violation from the way that uh, trailers like that are supposed to be played in British Columbia. I'm I'm guessing the assumption, if if it wasn't just an outright mistake, um, mm-hmm. was that uh, only older people would want to go to see an independently released anime film, uh, which obviously is completely untrue for something like Your Name. Uh, and right. it would also be a weird assumption because it's the complete opposite of what we usually think people, or how we usually think people interpret animation and anime releases in theaters. Um Kind of funny that 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 happened, but also you know pretty unfortunate yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's pretty weird because if you've like even been to any anime screening, yeah, you would know uh, that typically your audience is is teens and early twenties, and usually depending if it's like a a lighthearted movie, like a lot of sometimes there's a lot of, a lot of kids there. So I don't know how you could be like having anime screenings and not realize that's the people that come to it unless you just like don't care or Mm -hmm. just make blanket assumptions based on the studio instead of the movie itself. Uh, so that, that's, that's bizarre, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird stuff for sure. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully we won't see stuff like that in the future. I hope, I hope there are more releases like your name or or there's more movies like your name that are, that will be, uh, uh, given a similar kind of treatment, I uh, I, I don't think any, we'll see anything quite on the scale of your name. It was a kind of a no uh, a one time uh, lightning in a bottle kind of situation there. But I think so. Yeah. Maybe maybe the new Hosoda movie will have that same effect. I think that one has some potential to be like a big hit. Um, but besides that, I don't like most of the anime movies that come out here are pretty uh, franchise-based, and if you're a franchise-based movie, you have like, you built an audience already, and you're not necessarily going to hit that mainstream exposure like something like your name would. So I'm, I'd be interested to see if Hosoda's new movie Mirai uh, hits that or not. Yeah, well, we'll see who's, who even winds up releasing Mirai here. Because um, I, I think, I know Mongrel Media released Boy and the Beast, and it seems like they did, really didn't want to because they didn't promote the movie at all, as we discussed right. uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Um but I, uh, it almost seems like they received the rights due to some kind of weird technicality because of Galmont's uh, involvement. And I, I think it had something to do with the fact that Funimation wasn't going to be able to produce a Quebec version. And they obviously wanted that to happen. And that I think I think that's why Mongrel Media wound up with the rights. Um, but it doesn't seem like something they're going to be actively 
trying to trying to get their hands on. So I mean, we'll see what what happens next time. Uh, mm. Well, if if Sony is is with Funimation now, maybe they'll have a an impact with that. Yeah, for sure. That would probably make a big difference. Uh, n- nonetheless, I think uh, Funimation's release of Your Name uh, in Canada was a-, a lot better than than Mongrel Media's release of Boy and the Beast was, in my opinion, at least. Oh, I definitely. Think they uh, there was there was more care done with that uh, with that job and uh, with that release and and the promotion of it. So yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Me too. Uh, so looking look, looking back, um, the first Love Live concert actually mm-hmm. did uh, happen before during March. It just never came out here uh, in Winnipeg, so I never got a chance. To, oh, I see. Yeah. To view it. So that so that that's kind of uh, and of course the second one ended up being in Winnipeg. So I have I have a lot of memories about that one, uh, but the first one I, I didn't get a chance to see. But from what I what I understood, it looked like it was a pretty big success. It w- must have been. Uh, if they were going to get a second one in here. It, yeah, I mean, it, it got quite an impressive run for, for something of that nature. If you're not familiar mm-hmm. with these uh, live delay shows, they're basically the the voice actresses from Love Live, or at least the, the singers that they use. I, I don't really know how, yeah. uh, how what goes on behind the scenes with the, uh, uh, voice with the cast. Voice actors and singers. Show. Voice actors and singers. They're basically yeah. doing a three- to four-hour concert that is released unsubtitled uh, in, in, the, in theatrical screens. And I think... I, I don't know what the story is about how they got this uh or how they decided to to try releasing it i think they just kind of had the rights to it and decided to throw it out there and see what happens and mm-hmm. it seems that it uh it did better than anyone expected so it actually got a wider run and i know this was later in the year but uh why, why don't i know that uh the happy the happy party train tour uh yes. live delay did uh you know reach those uh, less frequented uh, markets in Canada, and, and that includes Winnipeg. And uh, Randy, how did that go for you? Uh, it went really well. Uh, I was I was all set. Um, of course, I think uh, Winnipeg has a really big Love Live base. We have about four to eight Love Live groups doing doing shows at at conventions and stuff. Uh, so it's really developed this weird uh, dancing group kind of focus that um, yeah. a lot of a lot of idol fans uh, really enjoy and come to the concert. So, um, so that that's been happening outside of Vancouver too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so like, th- there's there's uh, a few fan clubs that have popped up around Canada, uh, and they and they co- they came to the concert decked out in in all of their love life swag, their their capes, their light sticks. I had a I had a pen light so I was able to bring that with me. Uh and it was basically like being in a theater that was basically a Japanese concert. Uh which was really neat. There was a lot of a lot of glow sticks, a lot of light sticks waving, uh a lot of chants happening. Uh and it was good because it wasn't just like a few people, it was, it was basically most of the audience uh for the whole show. So it led to this like really high energy uh, for like the three-hour high-energy concert, which was really, really neat to be a part of. It was, neat, very, it was really, really super cool. It's neat that they're able to like emulate and sustain that with just a theatrical screening. Uh, but I guess that uh, just demonstrates the uh, the passion behind the Love Live fan base uh, in most major cities. It- uh, so I think one of the reasons that people tend to. Uh, go so nuts for these concerts is because they haven't actually been to Japan and seen a Japanese concert. I had the opportunity last year to, to be, uh, to see, uh, the anime, Animello summer live, uh, last year, which was huge as in the Saitama super arena. 
a huge crowd, tons of light sticks, everything that you expect from a Japanese concert was there. And like, this is like a mini version of that. So for me, it was able, it was like, uh, kind of like getting that feeling again, even if it's like a much mm-hmm. smaller, more condensed feeling. Uh, so that was really neat. And then for people who have never been to Japan, who have only seen this stuff on TV, it's their chance to be a part of what that kind of experience is like. And I think it's really cool. Like the Love Life fan group was handing out call books to uh, everyone who walked in going to see Love Live. Uh, tons of tons of Love Live plushies were everywhere, and it was it was really really fun overall. Yeah, I really wish that um, the companies in Japan and also the companies in, in North America that that localize this stuff and the conventions in Canada would you know make more of an effort to try and get these these idol performances um mm-hmm. uh, in in this country and at least in some of the major cities uh it's a really big missed opportunity and there's such there's such a thirst for it um and it, but it, it really seems that they're 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 overlooking at in the in the markets where it would do really well it's it's I unfortunate think, I, I for think sure so. yeah well hopefully like it would definitely it would, it would be a lot easier for me to fly to Vancouver for a con with idol guests than it is for me to fly to like LA yeah, for a con. But I, I mean, you think a con the size of Anime North would be able to orchestrate something like a like an idol performance, and even even at a slightly smaller scale to what a con like uh, like AX is able to do. But it the, for some reason the uh, the traction just doesn't seem to be there for something like that to happen. It's yeah, it's it's uh it's unfortunate. Yeah, well, Anime North has had their J Rock North mm-hmm. for a while. I don't know yeah. if that's still going on, uh, but I think like that's where they're music focus is and i don't necessarily want to comment on that but maybe that's not where their music focus should be if they want to get more people to go to the show um but that you know anime north is anime north and will always be anime north uh yeah and that's all i'll say about anime. <laughs> yeah um all right well uh moving on i think uh did you catch the uh cabinary of the iron fortress compilation movies no it didn't yeah. uh it almost came here then it, uh, at the last second, um, I think something happened with the Crunchyroll, uh, with my theater, and it kind of like petered out. Didn't quite work. Um, That's unfortunate. I know it was at the Landmark yeah. Theaters rather than Cineplex. Uh, it was, which was and, uh, and, and I did, yeah. So I didn't notice that at first either uh, until like the week of. And when I looked for tickets, I really couldn't find them anyway so i'm not sure if that's just my local theaters issue or what happened with that but it was it was definitely very weird yeah the cabinet of the iron fortress uh compilation movies were released by crunchyroll uh and this is definitely one of the strangest licensing situations we've seen in a while because the streaming rights for cabinet of the iron fortress are of course held by amazon um but crunchyroll got everything else but then they ultimately have farmed most of what's happening with that show outside of streaming to Funimation, who's handling both the dub and home video distribution. Uh, but Crunchyroll did handle the theatrical release for these compilation movies, um, which was an interesting opportunity because I think at the time that these came out, uh, the Am- Amazon Prime still wasn't really widely available in Canada, or at least the app wasn't out, so a lot of people couldn't really access it right. properly at the time. Um, have you watched Cabinary? Uh I've seen the first... Uh, first episode, and okay. I thought I thought it looked really cool, but uh, the plot just didn't really hook me at all. Um, but I I always thought about giving a second look just because I like those Haruhiko Mikimoto designs so much. Um, but it it takes a lot to grab me nowadays, and that one just did not quite have the 
appeal I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, it's, it's thin on plot for sure, but I found that just with the nature of the show, which is, you know, train zombies uh, in a in a post-apocalyptic world, I, I didn't think a really thick plot was really necessary. I felt that the show delivered all it needed to. Um, people are really critical of the second half of it, which I guess would be the, the constitute the second movie uh, in, the, in the compilations, um, mainly because we, there's a villain that kind of comes out of the woodwork and he's he's not really that interesting or or charismatic uh i personally i well i, I wasn't watching the show week by week because of course i didn't have access to amazon when it came out um i did so i just kind of watched it in the series in two chunks similar to the compilation films i watched the first half and then we watched the second half later i personally didn't really have too much of a problem with the second half myself um i can see why viewers would be frustrated with it on a weekly basis i think when all but when all taken together it's a you know it's a pretty entertaining show overall and it it uh, it delivers what it needs to for what it is for the most part and i am looking forward to season two uh, i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a lot of fun um yeah, it's a good show. If you haven't seen Cabin Area, check it out on Amazon for sure. And yeah, I'm probably gonna check it out. I just got um, a Prime Stick for or a Fire Stick for Christmas, so I might check are... it out because it's in my face every time I turn on the turn on the app. So oh, what, were they, are those available in Canada now? Or I think I think they just became available this year. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because I cause I got one because I got an Echo for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I wanted to connect the two and. So far, that capability is not an option in Canada yet. Yeah. You can't connect your Echo to your TV, and I didn't know that yet. So um, right now, my Echo controls my lamp, which is great, but not quite what I was looking for from it. See, if, if Carl were on this episode, he'd be going on a huge rant about the, the Amazon ecosystem right now. Oh, but yeah. uh, I don't have as much to say about that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is kind of weird that they, they have created this whole service, but uh, that is supposed to be compatible with this whole um, the set of devices, uh, but don't really, really seem to release a lot of those devices outside of the United States. Um, mm-hmm. You'd think that Amazon would be better at something like that, but I guess not. But I guess, uh, actually, next up uh, would be the other um, Crunchyroll release that, that happened uh, this year, which I understand you did get, which was I the uh, the first three episodes of Ancient Magus Bride. Um, now, I have, I have now personally, I have some issues with the way they handled this release, uh, primarily because we did not get any screenings for this in British Columbia. Um, oh, really? We didn't know uh, if this was a very... I really have to question the, uh, the marketing research that went into whatever decision informed what cities uh, they decided to, re- to do this release in. Uh, yeah, I wasn't able to see this, but uh, you did catch it. Now, I, I, just to clarify, this was the first three episodes of the show. It was not the OVA, right? Correct. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that opening credit sequence looks stunning on, on the big screen. Uh, we didn't get it. Oh, you didn't? Uh, okay, the, well. The opening credit sequence was the one thing that was not in the show, and it's kind of what I wanted to see the most when I went to go see it, because I, I had uh, I'd, I'd been borrowing the manga from the library, and I had uh, just caught up to the latest release when the screening happened. And so I was really interested to see, like, what kind of opening are they going to give this show? Uh, and, of course, the opening had not been finished yet. Like, I think the, like, after I got out of the movie, I think maybe, like, a few days later, the first trailer for the show came on, and that had the opening in it finally. Uh, so that I, was really neat. I think the opening um, was, like, the last thing they did, because it's... I think it must have been. It's not very good. Um but uh, there were several screenings in Ontario, uh, one in Halifax, one in Calgary, one in Winnipeg, um, nothing in Quebec, nothing in British Columbia. Uh, I, I'm really interested to know why that happened, because uh, that, that's a, a huge oversight on... Well, I'm, not, I'm not sure who would be to blame for that. Uh, would it be 
um, Crunchyroll itself or whoever uh, handled that release with Screen Vision, apparently. I've never, yeah. I don't think I've heard of them before. Um, no, I've never heard of them either. Yeah, Crunchyroll, Screen Vision, Chaos Connect. So it looks, a lot of people have their fingers in this. Um, uh, someone should have. Should, should have caught that because uh, Quebec and, and British Columbia are two areas you really shouldn't miss on a uh, a major release like this. So it's a little disappointing that that happened. But yeah, how was uh, how was the experience of catching the debut of that show in a in a theatrical setting? It was really cool. Mm-hmm. I was really I was really happy that they brought it in that I got an early look at it. Uh, it was really good that they showed the first three episodes because I don't feel like Mega's Bread really hits its. Uh, visual strides until the third episode when there's a really, really nice moment that really encapsulates what the what the, the feeling of the manga. Um, so having the three episodes together was really good. If it was just the first two, I would have been a little more disappointed because the first two are pretty... Uh, the direction wasn't handled super well, but by the third episode, I think they really got their... what they are going for. Uh, so that worked out really well. Yeah, it seems a lot of the appeal for this screening is just to the fact that these episodes hadn't been seen before. Yeah. Um, when I really think the OVAs would have been a better overall experience to see on the big screen, because they just probably there's there's, there's a, a higher budget go, went into that into those for sure. Uh, I feel it. I don't know if the director is the same for the OVA and the TV series, but there's a different feel between them for sure. Um, I think the OVA captures a lot of more what I was hoping. Uh, Mega Bride would be animated. Uh, the TV series is okay, but it's a it's a little more stale than what we got in the OVAs, and I I, I often get the feeling that I'm not gaining much compared to simply reading the manga. But uh, but yeah, it's still it's still neat that uh, a show that had was still a few months away from debuting got a got a um previous screening like this. It was yeah, and and that was that was why I why yeah. I saw it myself. Uh, I wanted to see that. I wanted to see the Children of Ether as well, which was the is it, I don't know. What the deals with that? I think it's co-produced by Crunchyroll, or it's part of the Kickstarter situation. Uh, but that was uh, shown beforehand, and that was a really neat little uh, proof of concept. Okay, that they, that they play, which was really neat. So it's like it, that too. So it's it's something that's being developed uh, for Crunch. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, what, what was Children of Ether again? I've actually completely Children forgotten. Children of Ether is created by. Oh yeah, it's uh um uh Lashawn Thomas. Lashawn Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, and, and it's his it's his uh, action show that he joining forces with uh, some of the animators in Japan to create. Uh, and they had a nice little making of beforehand where they interviewed everyone. They interviewed uh, the Japanese staff and they were talking about how different it was to work with a product that's originally English than in Japanese. Uh, and LaShawn Thompson talked about how his process was working with Japan, which was really neat. I like I like kind of that inside baseball kind of stuff that they show so that was all really neat uh and then another thing that crunchyroll did in general was they had their own uh they had their own team do videos beforehand too and if you like the crunchyroll brand it was really nice to see i know like the crunchyroll brand isn't for everyone it's a it's definitely of a of a type uh but if that's something that if you enjoyed watching the crunchyroll guys just do their do their stuff it Mm -hmm. was really fun to watch as well, and so the whole Crunchyroll movie night was really, really interesting, and I, I hope they do more of it. This one, I hope, was a success, and we'll see if they do more. I hope they do. Yeah, it was very neat. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, 
I'm looking forward to Children of Ether, uh, now that I remember what it is. <laughs> I forgot briefly. Um, yeah, and I hope I hope they do do more, but I don't think they've announced anything as of right now. So we'll uh, we'll keep our eye on that for sure. Um, uh, so, Randy, did you uh, catch Napping Princess in theaters? Did 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 you get a screening for that in in Manitoba Napping yet? Napping Princess did not come here. Mm, yeah, uh, and that and that that's that's one of the shows that I'm might be looking at. Uh, working with G kids to bring over here. Uh, but I am still in the process of debating if that's worth bringing over. Cause I've heard, uh, conflicting things about that show in general. So, mm-hmm. or that movie, I should say. Uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for more opinions before I make any decisions on that, but I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do to work with G kids to bring over. And that's an option. Yeah. For it's me because we didn't get it here. It initially launched in Toronto and Vancouver, and then I think it expanded to a few more Cineplex theaters in uh, throughout the country. Um, I liked it. It's not an amazing movie, uh, and I think that's I think people were had had high expectations for it, and the fact that it doesn't really meet high expectations is a uh, is the reason why you're not hearing people talk about it too much. Um, I definitely did find it enjoyable and worth seeing, though. Uh, just because it's not amazing doesn't mean it's not worth your time. Um, it was, of course, directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who uh, is the guy who directed Standalone Complex of e- and Eden of the East. Um, and, yeah, he's not the most skilled storyteller for, like, a family movie, which this was. But I think he adapted his sensibilities quite well. Yeah, and the, the character designs were really great. Uh, if you're a fan of Standalone Complex, especially, you'll really admire how technology is rendered in this movie. Uh, it's There's a lot of similarities. You'll see, like, oh, that kind of looks like a tachikoma. That has a... A similar approach to how they how they how they went about things in standalone complex but a little better realized and with a better budget than what you saw in that show compared to a few years ago uh the the storytelling's a little sloppy like it has a really logical structure and then it just kind of throws that all out the window uh, at the end in a way that didn't really work but i i didn't have a huge problem with it i still really liked it um i think i think it's worth your time for sure i think it's worth looking into especially if it's uh one of the few movies that didn't uh, that didn't op- open up in 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 uh, in Winnipeg, um, but yeah, it's not you know it's just it's not amazing, uh, and I think I think people had higher expectations for it, but uh, I I still liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, next we should talk about in this corner of the world, which yeah. uh, is uh, something that I think surpassed people's expectations a lot. I, I know this movie was in development for a very long very long time. What, uh, and you did. Uh, you were able to catch the screening for this one in in Winnipeg. I was, yeah. uh, and it was in development for a long time. Uh, when I went to Oticon in about 2015, 2014, uh, they had Sanaa there, uh, and he was talking about the pro- the project at that time before it was even like in production, like an- being animated or anything, and he was showing. Uh, the audience uh, different illustrations and he was talking about how where each person lived and if they survived the bombing or if they didn't survive the bombing and just this level of detail and passion really came through and I instantly knew that I had to see it as soon as it came out Uh, and luckily it came over here uh, and I got the opportunity to see it and it it really blew me away with just how uh, how wonderful and tragic and life-affirming that movie really was it really was more than i was anticipating it being and just the way they depicted 
life in a wartime era was really, really fascinating. And I really like this movie. I think this was probably my, f if not my favorite, my second favorite anime showing that we, that I saw all year. It was just absolutely breathtaking and wonderful. Yeah. I, I did watch it. I was not able to see it in the theaters, uh, for reasons I'll rant about in a moment. Um, I, I thought it's a very powerful film. I think that making the creative decision to set this story in the uh the city of Kure which is just on the periphery of Hir uh, Hiroshima so again not where the bomb hit but just sort of within distance where it's not going to have a, where it didn't have a direct impact but the impact was felt um i think was greatly contributed to uh the the effect of the movie and um just watching people like just the the people in the movie that are not like the types of people you would normally expect to get focus in uh, a film dealing with this kind of subject matter. They felt like more carefree individuals um, rather than um, uh, world-weary type of people that uh, you, you kind of are used to seeing in movies that deal with this kind of subject matter. Um, yeah, it was it's, it's a really powerful film. It's surprising in a lot of ways. One thing that that kind of took me off guard was the way it introduced, uh, the way it portrayed um, Western elements of society in Japan at that time, which is not something you normally see in, uh, in period pieces focusing on that era of Japan. Um, cause of course during the Meiji restoration, you, there was so much Westernization happened. And a lot of that tends to get glossed over in the way Japan is usually depicted in world war two films. Like in the, right in the beginning, you see Hiroshima at Christmas time and you have, you know, Western images of Santa Claus, uh, which is not something that I ever really imagined being there at the time. But it, it does kind of make sense, and it kind of sh uh, sheds a different light on what uh, on what life was like right at that moment in history in that area of Japan. So it, little little touches like that kind of take you off guard and surprise you and challenge your expectations for what you're going to see in a movie like this. Uh, going back to the the setting of the film in, in Kure, um, it really reminded me in the Baref Barefoot Gen movie um, how uh, you know, which was a a, a very bold movie that I don't I don't think could be made again today because uh, because there's that one scene I'll never forget where the narrator of the film explicitly blamed the Japanese government for the Nagasaki, Nagasaki bombing because they were so secretive about what had happened at Hiroshima. I kind of got that impression with the way the reaction to the bombing happened uh, in Kure because people aren't entirely sure of of what exactly had happened and there's so many rumors and um so many rumors and speculation about the degree of impact that had happened and it's and it's haunting uh in in a in a very specific sense um and, uh, that it just reminded me of that uh, and the and and the way the the events were interpreted just there in the moment uh and it it captures it in a really unique way and it's a, yeah definitely a powerful film um i really wish i could have what was it what was it like seeing that in a theater uh it was it was really intense uh one of the things i like about the theater is that um you're forced to be quiet and not look away and view these events as they are happening. Mm -hmm. I feel there's lots of moments here where someone could get distracted by what's on their phone when, if they're watching it at home and in the, in the theater situation, you don't, you don't have that opportunity. So you're forced to watch the slowness of life and watch mm -hmm. how life just gets more and more messy as the war continues. And then finally, when the, when the, there's two really big, um, moments in this movie when they both happen you get the full full impact of what you just saw uh and you're you're forced to keep watching and not really look away and so that that experience was 
was really really intense uh my roommate uh ended like she ended up uh full on crying for the mm-hmm. last half hour of the movie like like last 15 minutes uh because it was just so intense and it, it it's a, it's really powerful seeing in the theater it was really it was a really really breathtaking experience to, to witness yeah yeah i i did buy it uh, and I watched it at home because uh, I wasn't able to get into to the screening. Um, when you did, did you buy tickets in advance for the movie? Uh, maybe a day before. Okay, because yeah, in in yeah, in Vancouver, in Vancouver, we got a one screening for basically it was for all the province of BC. There was one single screening on like a Thursday at seven p.m. at a single theater. Um, it sold out well over a week in advance. Uh, and no other screenings were added. But I know a lot of people who really wanted to see it, and they were kind of denied that experience due to the limited screenings. And it was similar in uh, in Winnipeg. Um, there was only one screening. Uh, but of course, Winnipeg, I think, there's is a, is a smaller city overall. Um, but also in Montreal. Uh, yeah, Winnipeg. Winnipeg's a bit smaller, so um, the the number of people who know about it know about the screening, make sure they go see it. We had a lot. There was a lot of people who don't normally come to anime screenings or there are a few more um older japanese people who came there japanese who came with their family um so not the usual crowd i would expect from an anime screening which was which was also really really interesting and really neat oh yeah a movie like this definitely plays to uh a, a different audience than would typically be uh, to come to an anime a movie specifically because it's anime um mm-hmm. but also also montreal only sing- a single screening on the 21st of, uh, of August uh, is when that happened. But Alberta got multiple screenings, uh, about half a dozen. Uh, same in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And there were dozens and dozens of screenings that took acro- took place across Ontario. Um, oh, I'm uh, sorry, there was some um, more screenings in, uh, in, in, uh, in Quebec as well, just not in Montreal. Um, but it's really just kind of... <laughs> I, I feel Vancouver really got hosed on that one. Um, I think... This was a uh, a roll up that was not really planned out well, uh, or at least I don't think priorities were all really given in the right areas. Or the, it, some areas got an exorbitant amount of focus, and other areas of the country didn't. Um, I'm I'm really disappointed. I think this was a this was a botched release in in a lot of ways for a lot of people across the country. And again, I'm not mm-hmm. sure who who organized this one. Uh, I, I don't know if it was, I think, Shout Factory. I don't know who they use for, for organizing these releases, but... Yeah. Um, I, and, I, it would, and it would have been Shout Factory's second or third movie that they that I'm aware of that they've done over here, because they did the Digimon movie. Uh, I think we only, we only got the first one here. Yeah. Uh, they, they brought that out, and then they brought this one up. Then I, so that's what I'm aware of. I think they... I don't know if they have anything to do with Ultraman, but they that came over I th- too. I believe they did Ultraman. Um, okay. Did, did, did the other Digimon movies after the first one, did they get U.S. theatrical releases, or was it just the first one that, that got that treatment? Uh, movies 4, 5, and 6 are getting theatrical releases. I, I just saw that in the news recently, but mm-hmm. I don't think movies 2 and 3 are getting have got released. Okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, disappointed by the way that was handled, and I hope, uh, I hope we don't have situations like that in the future, because this is a... Uh, uh, a movie that I think, well, like a lot of people, really should see. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful and, and difficult movie, but um, but a, a great one for sure. Uh, so that was that was that was kind of my big disappointment uh, for for theatrical releases this year, in, in, uh, regarding how that one was handled. But uh, did you catch? Uh, I I know you caught. I think you caught uh, Pokemon the movie. I choose you. 
I did catch Pokemon the movie. I chose choose you. And uh, uh, how was how did that go? <laughs> it was really it, you know it was a really interesting movie. I think it's a movie that works way better in Japanese than it would in English because of uh, because of the Pikachu speaking part. Um, <laughs> because because uh, I, I and it is a dream I, sequence, right? It, it's kind of a dream yeah. sequence. Uh, Ash has been like really really injured, and as he's fading out of consciousness, he hears Pikachu talk because he wants Pikachu to go, to go in the Pokeball. Uh, and I think that if this was in Japanese and you heard Ikue Otani speak for the first time as Pikachu, you would have a much different experience than if you heard this random English woman voice speaking as Pikachu for the first time mm. ever. Uh, so I think like that's a distinctly Japanese experience that you can't replicate in the English version at all. Uh, but apart from that, I found the movie to be really, really interesting, really well animated, really fun. Uh, it's kind of break, breaking out into its own like pseudo retelling of the Pokemon story, which I found to be really interesting. The way they introduced these new characters felt really genuine in its own way. Uh, there was lots that I really really ended up liking about it. It kind of falls into old Pokemon movie tropes of saving the world and and like the one legendary is the focus of the whole movie and they are what is going to end or save the world. And so there's kind of those things fall into it, uh, which I wasn't as fond of. I wish that it would have just been like a, a retelling with a little more uh, that's not quite what I got, but overall, I thought like just the new animation, uh, the new focus on Ash and Pikachu really worked. I think that it could have had a much more impactful uh, moments if Pikachu and Ash's relationship was focused on a little bit more. But I think that overall, it was it was pretty fun. Uh, lots of kids came to this one too, of course, through this Pokemon. Mm-hmm. They're probably the most kids I've seen in the theater. Uh, and that was really good. And this was probably the most packed a theater I saw, which was which was neat to see. And uh, Kunihiko Yuyama is still directing those Pokemon movies after all these oh, years, yeah. too. That has to be one steady paycheck he's getting. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and uh, they just announced that they're doing another movie uh, with... Uh, with a second animation studio. I forget what the second animation studio is, but the trailer for that movie came out. It looks vastly different, so I'm really mm-hmm. interested in how that one's going to work out, too. I think it's going to be pretty connected to this last one. I think like they kind of do movie trilogies, as it were now. Uh, they have for the past two generations of Pokemon, so we'll see how that turns out. But it, like the new animation style looks really interesting. I think it's i want to say it's studio shaft but i don't think it's quite shaft uh but it's someone it's uh-huh. it's a it's a big animation studio that i'm not really that people were really expecting so that's really interesting. yeah I, I thought it was neat how it renewed a lot of interest well po- pokemon is something that doesn't really seem to require renewed interest but i mean so many of these movies have come out over the years and this one was the first in a long time that seemed like a big deal for people yeah Definitely. Oh, and it, it, it's Studio Wit. Oh, okay. Not Studio yeah. Shaft. Yeah. Uh, Studio Wit being the ones who did Attack on Titan uh, and Ancient Mega Spread. Okay. Um, so before we get into the... Uh, what, one of the big things that happened was uh, 
G-Kids made a deal with Cineplex uh, to finally get Studio Ghibli films, which have traditionally run in more independent theaters across the country, and I think in the United States as well. Um, but they're now uh, starting to play in Cineplex theaters. Before we get into that, though, uh, which other movies were you able to catch uh, this year? I know there was still also uh, No Game, No Life, Zero, and uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower and A Silent Voice. Did you, did you catch any of those ones? Uh, I caught a silent voice mm-hmm. when it came out on the UK iTunes oh, uh, yeah, a few yeah. months before. I I bought a UK iTunes card and I got a bunch of friends together and we watched it theatrical style. Um, so silent voice was really really good to watch. I I really uh, I had a really good time watching it. There's a few differences from the manga that ends up being not a great thing uh, in terms of how characters are developed and how they change over the course of the movie. There's a few major story elements that aren't in the movie, but I think the movie itself is told very well. Uh, the animation's fantastic, obviously, because it's Kyoto animation. Uh, the director, I'm, I'm a big fan of her. She did the Tamako Love Story movie, which I, which I think is probably Kyoto animation's best work they've done be- yet. Uh, and so Tamako Love Story has a lot of really slow character moments, and the director tried to do that in this one too didn't quite succeed as much as i would have liked but i think that a silent voice is overall just a phenomenal movie and i think maybe if your name and in this corner of the world didn't come out it probably would have been my favorite anime movie of the year but those other two are just so much better mm-hmm. that it, it's not even a contest of which is my favorite anime movie of the year uh, so that one, that one, I, I ended up seeing. I wish, uh, and then I, I didn't really see, feel the need to see it again, so I didn't see it when it came to theaters. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen that one. It, uh, I, I had meant to see it in theaters, but unfortunately, I was completely tied up the day it came out. And I think it had another mm. extra day added later, and I, I still didn't go see it. So that's, uh, that's my own fault. <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so as. As, as, as far as anime goes, that's the one, those are the ones that I, I I didn't get to see No Game No Life either. Uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower didn't come out here yet. It might come out still. Who knows? Yeah, its release is still super limited. I don't think it's uh, it's played at some film festivals. I think that's about it. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we'll be seeing we'll, we'll be hearing about that one in the new year because I think it's uh, getting its sort of uh, not not wide, but um, kind of. I think it's getting its primary release uh, in the states in February or something. So we'll we'll probably get a little a little after that a, a little after that. Mm-hmm. But uh, as for uh, uh, oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, just just before we get into the Ghibli, I also saw some live action movies. Oh yeah. Uh, the first one would be the Tokyo Ghoul live action movie came out here, uh, and that one I found really interesting, uh, in terms of how it didn't deviate at all from the source material uh it was really just a almost like a chapter by chapter recreation of the manga which i have never seen before in a live action movie Uh, i think overall it worked pretty well uh i think the actress who plays toka is phenomenal i first heard of her when i watched con rider forze and she ended up uh joining happy science and and, oh no (laughs) yeah and, and then and now she like acts under a different name uh but it's still her and she she is phenomenal she's a really good actress uh the guy who plays the main character is really good too um i had a really fun time watching it uh the effects weren't as obnoxious as japanese movies tend to be sometimes 
Uh, I found the CG pretty passable. Uh, so I feel like uh, it, 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 it's a situation where if you like Tokyo Ghoul, you will like that movie. I think it works. Uh, I think it works really well as a live action movie uh, to my astonishment almost. Okay, so, yeah, one of the big developments this year was uh, Studio Ghibli Films uh, now playing in Cineplex theaters across the country. And this is pretty big news because it greatly increases the exposure that the the movies are going to get and the advertising they're going to get and the promotion they're going to get. And the thing about these classic Studio Ghibli movies is that they can never get enough exposure. Um, I I think that the, the, the ceiling for that is limitless especially when you know they didn't really get the exposure they needed back when they were originally released in the 80s and 90s and i don't i don't think that any effort would ever fully make up for that so you know any anything that will help get them to more eyeballs that have never seen them before and that will that will increase their cultural relevance to canadian audiences is always going to be a good thing but you know, it it this is definitely uh, taking a big thing away from from independent theaters that uh, that were able to uh, get a lot of mileage out of this in the past. And not to say that they won't be able to to show them anymore, but you know, you, 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 we kind of have this problem now where Cineplex, which is essentially a um, cinematic monopoly across the country, is just sort of ab- now absorbed the the one remaining anime item that they that they didn't have before and uh which again it uh it's good in the sense that it gives them more exposure but um yeah uh it, it does make things a lot more insular uh for sure yeah, it, it, it is it is pretty unfortunate in that respect um in in winnipeg most of the independent theaters haven't lasted mm-hmm. uh to this point we have one we have one true art house theater left, and then we have uh, we have a landmark cinema. We have two landmark mm-hmm. cinemas, and then the rest is Cineplex, uh, which is not the best thing. Uh, but it just because our city can't really support independent theaters besides the one we have, it it's become a bit of an issue. It's uh, it's but... it's awful. There's like there's so few independent theaters left here in Vancouver too, and I think mm-hmm. it's the same in every city. Yeah, so it it becomes a bit of an issue, especially because uh, the one independent theater in our city can't really keep up with the technical, uh, the the, uh, the technical developments that uh, Cineplex has with their with their sound and their screen and their their fake IMAX and everything that they have. Like uh, to the point where, like, one of the main things I look for when I go to the theater is is the sound, and that that's what Cineplex has for me, uh, and. The independent theater is making improvements all the time. Uh, I just saw uh, Moonlight there uh, about half a year ago, mm-hmm. and and I noticed that their their theater has improved a lot since the last time I was there, which was for Paprika uh, years and years ago, almost ten years ago at this point. Uh, so it, it it's a little unfortunate, but like uh, the independent theaters don't really have a lot of what I'm looking for, which is anime or other japanese stuff which which is pretty unfortunate uh so something like the ghibli anime series works out pretty well for me uh in terms of i'm not going to see those any other way Mm -hmm. and it's the best opportunity that smaller cities like winnipeg have which is which is not the best situation but i you know you got to work with what you got 
Yeah, and did you did you catch all the movies when they were I shown at Cineplex? I caught every last one, which was my intention, mm-hmm. and I managed to I managed to get it. it. It went over six months. I think it started in June, and it just ended uh, the first week of December. Yeah, yeah. So it, it went over a long time. So I, I was I was all in for it, and I was I was pretty pleased with what I got too. I uh, watching these movies again. Uh, some of them start to finish for the first time was really was really good to watch uh like um uh and i'm just gonna go through them like totoro seeing it in the theater uh on a big screen was it changed how i saw the movie in general uh i i had not really seen it in a few years but i i knew the beat pretty well because i had seen it a, a number of times but watching in the theater and really taking the time to view everything that was on screen all the time. Uh, kind of going back to what I was saying about this corner of the world and watching it at home versus watching in the theater. Uh, you're forced to watch all the details. Uh-huh. And seeing Totoro in the theater uh, really changed how I saw that movie. Uh, and it was really something special. And I, I when I saw Totoro, I knew that I was going to see the rest of them because I wanted to have this new experience when I saw all the movies. So that was really that was really impressive. Uh, and then Kiki's I saw for the f- first time start front to back. Really? Uh, I had seen Kiki's a number of times. Yeah, I had seen Kiki's a number of times, uh, but usually I would catch it in about the middle, uh, towards the end. Uh, but I had never, I, I actually don't think I had ever seen the beginning part of the movie before, uh, despite catching it on TV a lot. Uh, my grandparents had Disney Channel, it aired on Disney Channel a lot, and I watched it then quite a bit uh but i had never seen it start to finish and so that was really fun and i think kiki's is jumped way up on my list of uh my personal list of jill movies that i like a lot it's definitely a movie that that grows with every viewing it uh Mm -hmm. the the themes run surprisingly deep uh surprisingly deep in that one and i think it's it's definitely the type of movie you you will always get more um Mm -hmm. more as you watch it more and as you get older too Mm -hmm. it's it's a very very well constructed movie yeah, I think I think um, it's definitely probably like Ghibli's most or Miyazaki's like hidden gem mm-hmm. movie. I would say almost like I, I do get a lot of it, get a lot out of it. The more I the more I think about it, and the more I watch it. Uh, next was Castle in the Sky, which I had seen before, and I think is a really fun uh, adventure movie. Uh, and I just like watching that, watching the places it goes, is really interesting and fun to watch. Uh, there's not much more to say about Castle in the Sky besides like it's really well done and it's a fun adventure movie. Um, the themes aren't as strong as uh, the other ones, and, and mm-hmm. I think like the joy of Castle in the Sky is watching how the plot is going to develop, uh, and, and that one's fun. Uh, next up was Nausicaa, which I thought was, uh, which which I find probably his weakest, the one the weak, one that I like the least. It reminds me a lot of, uh, like a Ralph Bakshi, uh, fantasy movie almost, uh, and I think like it's definitely his one of his more mature movies, uh, and you can see like that early like that eighties style creep into it, which, which is pretty, which is neat to watch. When I saw Nausicaa for the first time, I made the mistake of reading the the manga first. 
And that really ruins the movie because the, the manga is so much better. <laughs> you just, you, yeah. you, the, the movie, you get the joy of seeing the characters and world realized in animation. Uh, and I'm, I actually haven't seen it in theaters. Uh, I'm sure it would be great on, to, to see that even more so on the big screen. But when you read the manga, you know, you're only getting like a snapshot of the, the true depth that exists in that story and, and the places it goes later. Um, so I, I think I forever ruined Nausicaa for myself by doing that. Uh, but it's, it's, it's still a, it's still a great looking movie though. Yeah. It, yeah. it looks fantastic. Uh, personally, I have every volume, but four of the manga. So I'm still, uh, waiting to like complete my set before I go and read it through. Oh uh, man. It's, it's so good. I, uh... yeah, I'm going <laughs> to get through it. At one point. Yeah. Uh, next was the one that I was most excited to revisit because I, I hadn't seen it in a long time and I was Spirited Away. Yeah, I, I revisited uh, Spirited Away recently and I actually had not seen it since, uh, since CBC's, uh, notorious botched airing back oh, in like, uh, 2006 or 2007. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a movie, a movie that, oh, sorry, you, well, you, you, you talk about, uh, maybe your experience with it first. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Spirit Away was was definitely one that I was most excited to see again, uh, and I I it I watched it when it first came out on on DVD. Mm-hmm. It was a Christmas gift that I got, and I I watched the hell out of it. I watched it over and over again. I really really like um, just the just the overall feeling of that movie, uh, and I think I think that the train sequence when Chihiro and No Face are riding on the train uh, is just my favorite Ghibli movie moment ever. Just how you've been stuck in this one elaborate world and suddenly you go on this train and the worldview is expanded so much without a single word of dialogue. I think it's just absolutely stunning. And it really cements Spirit Away as probably my favorite Ghibli movie. I would say my favorite Miyazaki movie, anyway. That uh, that, that scene the... alone really makes the movie stand out, just as an artistic. It work really in does. General, yeah. I know when I yeah. first saw Spirited Away, it was I did see it in the theaters, uh, but I had a extremely difficult time finding someone who wanted to see it with me, and I went and saw it with my dad, and he hated it. And he was vocal about his hatred, uh, like at the theater and all the way home. And it really soured my experience watching the movie the first time. Uh, even when I went back on subsequent viewings, I felt that, uh, that the, the experience of the movie had been diminished somewhat and it kind of didn't live up to my expectations. And also when I first saw it, I was, I was a dumb 17 year old and I was especially dumb for a 17 year old. So I was kind of too old to appreciate it on like a purely surface level, but, I was still not like intellectually or emotionally mature enough to appreciate like it's more artistic elements and it's criti- critiques on like conformity and capitalism and all of those things that Miyazaki rolls into his big, mm. it's, it's essentially old man yells at cloud the movie, but it's, um, it's done exceptionally well. It, it captures the way Miyazaki sees the world. And that's something I appreciate more going back and watching it now. Um, it, 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 it definitely, it, I, I'm glad that I, 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 put such a long um buffer of time uh since the last time i watched it because i really wanted to explore it with fresh eyes and uh man it was uh it, w- it was an experience watching it again when i did so recently it's it's an amazing film i uh i i feel like i, I felt it was overrated before i do not feel that way now 
Yeah. And then uh, the last one that came out was Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, boy. So <laughs> the, the okay, so, so the interesting thing about, about this is that uh, how the Ghibli movies worked was it would be uh, the English dub version on Sunday at Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. And then the subtitle version would be on the Wednesday at 7 p.m. And so I had gone to the subtitle versions of all of them the same night all the time. Uh, and one of the one of the theaters, the first few I went to, uh, the first few I went to, Cineplex didn't enable the subtitles. Oh. Uh, and, so, and so people had to like run out and tell them like, hey, there's no subtitles. Go fix this. Uh, so that happened for Kiki's and Castle in the Sky. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it was it was not fun, not great. That reminds me of the time uh, I went to see Short Piece, and they couldn't get the Blu-ray player it was running off of to work properly. We didn't get to see the movie at all, and we got refunds. But that yeah. still kind of sucked. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I eventually went to a different theater that's a little closer. It's a little bit smaller for the rest of the series. Uh, and then for so Spirited Away Nausicaa were, were in Japanese, and then I went to the the viewing for Howls the same night and it, I expected it to be in Japanese and then it was in English. Uh, and my only experience watching Housewind Castle has been in English so far now, because when it first came out in the theater, uh, way back when 2004, yeah, it was, that was a, like a, basically a dub only release. It was. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had seen that movie twice when it came out once with, uh, a group of friends and then once with the, uh, university anime club that I was hanging out with at the time. Uh, so I'd seen it twice then. I'm, and so I'm not convinced that movie has, that movie has a Japanese version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be to uh, be fair, the dub, to to be fair, the dub actually fixes uh, plot holes in the film. Uh, that that made quite a bit of difference in the end because uh, that the the scarecrow thing just comes out of nowhere <laughs> in the Japanese yeah. version. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I really I really do like that dub a lot. I think. Uh, Christian Bale is a good Howl, mm-hmm. and then uh, oh, forget. It. I think Emily Mortimer is also is Sophie, I believe, and and they're and then Billy Crystal as as uh, Calcifer, Calcifer, yeah, uh, are are all really great. Um, so I, I really like that version. I'm actually not really upset that I didn't get to see it in Japanese because I really like that dub a lot. Uh, and so Howls was a movie that uh, I think serves a specific market uh of like i'd say almost like it's miyazaki's most american friendly movie i would say really and that it, 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 i think it, i think it follows um very traditional western storytelling uh storytelling like beats uh as opposed to the other movies which which kind of um which kind of wallow in mood a little bit more uh than the rest maybe castle in the sky would be the other one that i think I, I think that a little, i think a little more traditional beats i actually found that princess mononoke has quite a western narrative structure despite the fact that like thematically and content wise it's probably his most japanese movie um but uh but yeah what, the thing about hell is moving castle is that i th- I personally think it is the worst thing that miyazaki has directed um the first half i think is okay it it's still like maybe his weakest directional effort, uh, directorial effort, but it's still you know it still builds up well, and has it has a decent structure and and you can follow along with it and it's entertaining. But I mean that second half, man, it just it really goes off the rails 
it's a little it's a little rough. Uh, yeah. I, I I can't bring myself to feel anything negative towards Housewind Castle. I think I think that the first up to I'd say up to the very like last third of the movie, I think I think is all absolutely wonderful. And the last the last third I think is a little messy, but overall ends up working in the end. I think that maybe just because the dub fixes a bit of stuff. Uh it really it, it really it is, does. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it is messy, but I do really, really enjoy it a lot. Uh and I don't think like even knowing uh the criticism that, and understanding and acknowledging them, there's just something about it that works for me and 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 i really i really do enjoy i think it's the characters really yeah that just kind of are fun like sophie is is really wonderful throughout the whole movie and i think i think that just like her dealing with what she has been going through and just like accepting it and moving on and with her life is really interesting i i really like her in general and i think uh, the movie as a whole, I, I ended up really enjoying. Yeah, I vi- visually, I think the the castle itself uh, is really stunning. Um, whenever whenever I see it, I'm like, it, it kind of reminds me of the exact type of style that uh, Rene Lalo, who directed like um, Fantastic Planet and 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 a few other movies. I think it's it's kind of like the look he was striving for in his films, but could not actually achieve due to the limitations of technology at the time. Um, I, I think that that's my favorite part of that movie. I think everything else in the movie kind of looks kind of, kind of off-putting. Um, I know that in, in, in starting in Spirited Away, Miyazaki kind of had this fixation of, of giving this, you know, a- animating like sludge and giving like a goo-like shiny texture to things. Mm. Um, and it seems like, it almost seems like he tried to put, put that look into as many things as possible in this film that weren't the castle. And I, I find it really kind of jarring and off-putting myself. It, it, the, the look of the film overall just doesn't work for me. Um, and yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I have issues with, with Howl's moving castle overall, for sure. It's, it's, it, even if you don't think it's his, his weakest picture, it's definitely his messiest. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I would definitely say that it, it's a very, it's a very messy movie overall. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, I think, that adds a little to its charm, even, uh, in, in that, like, it's just this weird movie that, as you watch it, it kind of makes sense. Uh-huh. And, and just, just overall, I, I really, I really ended up liking that. Uh, and, and, and then that, that was a whole series, yeah. Oh, and, uh, also, uh, one thing that we didn't get that I, I forgot about is that I know that earlier this year, or maybe late last year. I'm kind of, I've kind of lost track now. I know that G Kids did a release of Princess Mononoke that had uh, on your mark that music video that uh, Hayao Miyazaki directed attached to it. But I, as far as I know, I don't believe any of the theatrical releases in Canada have had on your mark attached. Yeah, I uh, I hope they do something about that because, well, I, I it's it's unfair to say that uh, on your mark is Miyazaki's best theatrical work because it's not a theatrical work it's a music video it is a different medium so you can't you can't really uh um compare it to the others in a in a in a really a fair way but uh i i think it's i love it so much and i'd love to see that on the big screen i would i would go to any studio ghibli movie probably primarily to see that over the movie itself in most cases 
But uh, mm-hmm. seeing yeah. that seeing that back to back with Princess Mononoke would have been a would have been a great experience. I hope uh, I hope we might get an opportunity to see that in the future. Yeah, well, G Kids ended up they they showed a bunch of short films. I showed like two to three short films before each of the Ghiblis. Oh, really? Uh, so that was that was really neat. To it was really neat. There were some really fun ones in there, uh, and some that I actually ended up using uh, in my teaching practicums for learning narrative structures so that was that was really neat oh cool uh i i really i really enjoyed uh seeing these little short movies beforehand it was really neat and yeah and uh i guess this hasn't premiered this year but we did get at least an announcement that uh that the fake stay night heavens feel uh presage flower uh is going to be playing in theaters in canada and uh surprisingly it seems to be getting quite a push um i've been seeing advertisements for it all over social media um Me too. which is not something that I have really seen for any Aniplex or Azoland uh, theatrical release in Canada. And I, those have been like some of the rockiest ones we've gotten in the past. Because um, as we've pointed out, if not in this episode, then definitely before uh, in previous episodes, uh, we got Kizumonogatari Part 1. We did not get Part 2 in theaters, but we did get Part 3, um, which was really messy. And we, there's been cons- inconsistent presentation. We never got Doki Say and, and a few others in theaters. Um, but uh, it, it looks like they are taking the demand seriously with this one. So I hope it does well, uh, because it, it would kind of be disappointing if they could put all this push into the first one and then we never got the 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 upcoming second or third movie in that series because this the first one didn't perform very well or below expectations. Yeah, well, hopefully Anaplex has that fake Grand Order money uh, blown in. <laughs> so, so, so we'll, so we'll get, we'll get something, we'll, we'll get the rest of them. Uh, I definitely think that's why, uh, we're getting Heaven's Feel in Canada, I would say. Cause, cause I, I, cause especially with the, they had a Thanksgiving, uh, event where if you used paid, uh, currency, you got a guaranteed, uh, servant that was really like five star. Uh, so we'll see if, uh, that continues hooray for gotcha practices i guess <laughs> i uh, I, I guess they, that... <laughs> maybe that's how they determined to give it a fairly uh robust release here because they saw how many people were playing that game in uh, in canada i think so i think <laughs> i think it's just growing uh as it goes on uh, the game the game is fantastic um i think it has the balance of it's a fun game to play uh you don't need to use the special five star exclusive one percent servants to beat the game like you can beat the game without using any anything above a three star servant which is really good and it has like the game itself is fun and there's also waifus and husbandos which works out well too uh that are all really fun to play as uh the the writing is great i think i think faker and order uh is really doing wonders for the brand so i hope that that's going to continue uh, yeah, I, 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 that that brings I don't think that's something my wallet needs right now. So <laughs> no. <laughs> no one needs gotcha games, yeah. but they're fun. Um, so Randy, anything else you're looking forward to next year in regards to theatrical anime or otherwise? Uh, no, the only thing that I was looking forward to is, was the was Fate. And yeah. right now we're we're getting that, which is the only thing that I want right now. Uh, these movies pop up when they pop up, and hopefully we get. Uh, as many as we got this year. This year was pretty good. It wasn't quite 2016 levels. I think 2016 was really good for movies, mm-hmm. but this one ended up becoming uh, a really good year, especially towards the end. We got everything that I was really hoping for. So I hope that 
Canada is still seen as a viable market, especially my city, because I want to see more movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I hope we get those Eureka 7 movies, or the, the first one that's oh, me too. coming out. It's uh, scheduled for February in the States, and they still haven't said anything about Canada. And, you know, yeah. if we got Black Butler, then, I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance that we uh, will get Eureka 7, but sometimes I get the feeling that the marketing department at Funimation probably isn't even aware of the fact that the show ran on YTV. So, well, uh, I mean, they must, they must have some awareness. I would hope so. Uh, I don't know. I, apparently that movie's not great, but yeah. I want to see it anyway. I, it, it can't be worse than, uh, than the, than the first movie that came out. The, uh, yeah. the, 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 the first follow up, um, good night, sleep tight lovers or, or whatever yeah. it was called. That was, oh, that, that movie is wretched. I hate it so much. Uh, <laughs> I could go on and on about how much I, I, I hate that movie. It's. Ugh, it's awful, um, but yeah, I, I know Daisato was back for the the new Eureka Seven movies, and I'm a big fan of the series, so I'll, I will I will definitely go see it. Um, it is a little disappointing that apparently it's not a you know a cohesive retelling and not something that a new viewer can can jump into, which yeah. I think that Eureka Seven was ripe for that kind of uh, compilation movie retelling. Uh, I think that could have worked really well, but um, I will I will check it out regardless. I'm I'm curious to see how it is, and I hope uh, I hope they do. Release that here. It's it's a little troubling because I know the initially the press release was put out, um, I think by Bones directly saying that the movie was going to get an uh, international release, but they said uh, it was going to get released in the United States specifically. And it's always frustrating because, especially in those press releases from Japanese companies, when they say United States, sometimes they mean North America, but when they say yeah. North America, sometimes they just mean the United States. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Yeah, that's that's the life for Canada. Yeah. We just gotta we have to make guesses that hopefully this means it's us. Yeah. Hopefully it's us. Hopefully. Um all right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for today. Thanks for tuning into Zun and Canada. Uh Randy, where can people find you on social media? Uh people can find me on Twitter. I am at who is friend on Twitter. Alright. And uh you can reach me on Twitter at jbetteridge or via email, zonandcanada at gmail.com. The theme song is by Ultra Kleistron, and that can be found on his album Packet Flood, uh, which you can buy at ultraclystron.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, or your podcast app of choice, and leave a rating or review if you have a chance. I would really appreciate that. Um, if you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again, and uh, have a happy new year. <laughs>